This is day 81 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be reading 2 Chronicles chapters 34 through 36, and then we will go into the book of Ezra, chapters 1 and 2. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us today. Thank you for bringing us to this place and giving us a new start today. Lord, as we give ourselves up to you and an undivided mind, that we would eliminate all distractions, we would eliminate anything that we try to put in front of you. And then, Lord, we just you would just convict us of the sin that's in our lives, the like dross that you want to draw out of us, the, the filth that's within us that you want to purify us properly, Lord, that we may be a refined instrument in your hand. Please melt us and remake us in better and better every day. Please bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. He did right in the sight of the Lord, and walked in the ways of his father David, and did not turn aside to the right or to the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still a youth, he began to seek the God of his father David. And in the twelfth year he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the asherim, the carved images, and the molten images. They tore down the altars of the Baals in his presence, and the incense altars that were high above them he chopped down. Also the asherim, the carved images, and the molten images he broke in pieces and ground to powder, and scattered them on the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. Then he burned the bones of the priests on their altars, and purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, Simeon, even as far as Naphtali, in their surrounding regions, he also tore down the altars and beat the ashram and the carved images into powder, and chopped down all the incense altars throughout the land of Israel. Then he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the eighteenth year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, he sent Shaphan, the son of Azaliah, and Maaseah, an official of the city, and Joah, the son of Joaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord his God. They came to Hilkiah, the high priest, and delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites, the doorkeepers, had collected from Manasseh and Ephraim and from all the remnant of Israel, and from all Judah, and Benjamin, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Then they gave it into the hands of the workmen, who had the oversight of the house of the Lord, and the workmen who were working in the house of the Lord used it to restore and repair the house. They in turn gave it to the carpenters and to the builders to buy quarried stone and timber for couplings, and to make beams for the houses which the kings of Judah had let go to ruin. The men did the work faithfully with foremen over them to supervise, Jahath and Obadiah, the Levites of the sons of Merari, Zechariah, Meshulam, and the sons of the Kohathites, and the Levites, all who were skillful with musical instruments. They were also over the burden-bearers, and supervised all the workmen from job to job. 
and some of the Levites were scribes and officials and gatekeepers. When they were bringing the money which they had brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found the book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. Hilkiah responded and said to Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan. Then Shaphan brought the book to the king and reported further word to the king, saying, Everything that was entrusted to your servants they are doing. They have also emptied out the money which was found in the house of the Lord and have delivered it into the hands of the supervisors and the workmen. Moreover, Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest gave me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Then the king commanded Hilkiah, Ahikam the son of Shaphan, Abdon the son of Micah, Shaphan the scribe, and Asiah the king's servant, saying, Go, inquire of the Lord for me, for those who are left in Israel and in Judah, concerning the words of the book which has been found. For great is the wrath of the Lord which is poured out on us, because our fathers have not observed the word of the Lord, to do according to all that is written in this book. So Hilkiah and those whom the king had told went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tokath, the son of Hashra, the keeper of the wardrobe. Now she lived in Jerusalem in the second quarter. And they spoke to her regarding this. She said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, thus says the Lord, Behold, I am bringing evil on this place and on its inhabitants, even all the curses written in the book, which they have read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense to other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore my wrath will be poured out on this place, and it shall not be quenched. But to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you will say to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel regarding the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before God, when you heard his words against this place and against its inhabitants, and because you humbled yourself before me, tore your clothes, and wept before me, I truly have heard you, declares the Lord. Behold, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace, so your eyes will not see all the evil which I will bring on this place and on its inhabitants. And they brought back word to the king. Then the king sent and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests, the Levites, and all the people, from the greatest to the least, and he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. 
Then the king stood in his place and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and with all his soul to perform the words of the covenant written in this book. Moreover, he made all who were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand with him. So the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. Josiah removed the abominations from all the lands belonging to the sons of Israel, and made all who were present in Israel to stand before the Lord their God. Throughout his lifetime, they did not turn from following the Lord God of their fathers. Then Josiah celebrated the Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover animals on the fourteenth day of the first month. He set the priests in their offices and encouraged them in the service of the house of the Lord. He also said to the Levites who taught all Israel and who were holy to the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon the son of David, king of Israel, built. It will be a burden on your shoulders no longer. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves by your father's households and your divisions, according to the writing of David, king of Israel, and according to the writing of his son Solomon. Moreover, stand in the holy place, according to the sections of the father's households, of your brethren, the lay people, and according to the Levites, by division of a father's household. Now, slaughter the Passover animals, sanctify yourselves, and prepare for your brethren to do according to the word of the Lord by Moses. Josiah contributed to the lay people, to all who were present, flocks of lambs and young goats, all for the Passover offerings, numbering 30,000 plus 3,000 bulls. These were from the king's possessions. His officers also contributed a free will offering to the people. The priests and of the Levites, Hilkiah and Zechariah and Jehiel, the officials of the house of God, gave to the priests for the Passover offerings 2,600 from the flocks and 300 bulls. Conaniah also, and Shemaiah and Nethanel, his brothers, and Hashabiah, and Jael, and Josabad, the officers of the Levites, contributed to the Levites for the Passover offerings 5,000 from the flocks and 500 bulls. So the service was prepared, and the priests stood at their stations, and the Levites by their divisions, according to the king's command. They slaughtered the Passover animals, and while the priests sprinkled the blood received from their hand, the Levites skinned them. Then they removed the burnt offerings that they might give them to the sections of the father's households of the lay people to present to the Lord, as it is written in the book of Moses. They did this also with the bulls. So they roasted the Passover animals on the fire according to the ordinance, and they boiled the holy things in pots, in kettles, in pans, and carried them speedily to all the lay people. Afterwards, they prepared for themselves and for the priests, because the priests, the sons of Aaron, 
were offering the burnt offerings and the fat until night. Therefore the Levites prepared for themselves and for the priests the sons of Aaron. The singers, the sons of Asaph, were also at their stations according to the command of David, Asaph, Heman, and Jeduthun, the king's seer. And the gatekeepers at each gate did not have to depart from their service, because the Levites, their brethren, prepared for them. So all the service of the Lord was prepared on that day to celebrate the Passover, and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord, according to the command of King Josiah. Thus the sons of Israel who were present celebrated the Passover at that time, and the Feast of Unleavened Bread seven days. There had not been celebrated a Passover like it in Israel since the days of Samuel the prophet, nor had any of the kings of Israel celebrated such a Passover as Josiah did with the priests, the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the eighteenth year of Josiah's reign, this Passover was celebrated. After all this, when Josiah had set up the temple in order, Necho, king of Egypt, came up to make war at Carchemish on the Euphrates, and Josiah went out to engage him. But Necho sent messengers to him, saying, What have we to do with each other, O king of Judah? I am not coming against you today, but against the house with which I am at war, and God has ordered me to hurry. Stop for your own sake from interfering with God who is with me, so that he will not destroy you. However, Josiah would not turn away from him, but disguised himself in order to make war with him. Nor did he listen to the words of Necho from the mouth of God, but came to make war on the plain of Megiddo. The archers shot King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am badly wounded. So his servants took him out of the chariot, and carried him in the second chariot which he had, and brought him to Jerusalem, where he died and was buried in the tombs of his fathers. All Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Then Jeremiah chanted a lament for Josiah, and all the male and female singers speak about Josiah in their lamentations to this day. And they made them an ordinance in Israel. Behold, they are also written in the Lamentations. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah, and his deeds of devotion, as written in the law of the Lord, and his acts, first to last, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Then the people of the land took Joahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king in place of his father in Jerusalem. Joahaz was twenty-three years old when he became king, and he reigned three months in Jerusalem. Then the king of Egypt deposed him at Jerusalem, and imposed on the land a fine of one hundred talents of silver and one talent of gold. The king of Egypt made Eliakim his brother king over Judah and Jerusalem, and changed his name to Jehoiakim. But Necho took Joahaz, his brother, 
and brought him to Egypt. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against him and bound him with bronze chains to take him to Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar also brought some of the articles of the house of the Lord to Babylon and put them in his temple at Babylon. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim and the abominations which he did and what was found against him, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And Jehoiakim, his son, became king in his place. Jehoiakim was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned three months and ten days in Jerusalem, and he did evil in the sight of the Lord. At the turn of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the valuable articles of the house of the Lord, and he made his kinsman Zedekiah king over Judah and Jerusalem. Zedekiah was 21 years old when he became king, and he reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did evil in the sight of the Lord his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah the prophet, who spoke for the Lord. He also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar, who had made him swear allegiance by God. But he stiffened his neck and hardened his heart, against turning to the Lord God of Israel. Furthermore, all the officials of the priests and the people were very unfaithful, following all the abominations of the nations, and they defiled the house of the Lord, which he had sanctified in Jerusalem. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent word to them again and again by his messengers because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they continually mocked the messengers of God, despised his words, and scoffed at his prophets, until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, until there was no remedy. Therefore he brought up against them the king of the Chaldeans, who slew their young men with the sword, in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion on young man or virgin, old man or infirm. He gave them all into his hand. All the articles of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and the treasures of the king and of his officers, he brought them all to Babylon. Then they burned the house of God and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and burned all its fortified buildings with fire, and destroyed all its valuable articles. Those who had escaped from the sword he carried away to Babylon. And they were servants to him and to his sons until the rule of the kingdom of Persia, to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had enjoyed its Sabbaths. All the days of its desolation it kept Sabbath until seventy years were complete. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, 
the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout his kingdom, and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may the Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. When the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, so that he sent a proclamation throughout all his kingdom, and also put it in writing, saying, Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever there is among you of all his people, may his God be with him. Let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. Every survivor, at whatever place he may live, let the men of that place support him with silver and gold, with goods and cattle, together with a free will offering for the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. Then the heads of fathers' households of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, arose, even everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up and rebuild the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. All those about them encouraged them with articles of silver, with gold, with goods, with cattle, and with valuables, aside from all that was given as a freewill offering. Also, King Cyrus brought out the articles of the house of the Lord, which Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and put in the house of his gods. And Cyrus, king of Persia, had them brought out by the hand of Midradath, the treasurer. And he counted them out to Sheshbazar, the prince of Judah. Now this was their number, 30 gold dishes, 1,000 silver dishes, 29 duplicates, 30 gold bowls, 410 silver bowls of a second kind, and 1,000 other articles. All the articles of gold and silver numbered 5,400. Sheshbazar brought them all up with the exiles who went up from Babylon to Jerusalem. Now these are the people of the province who came up out of the captivity of the exiles whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away to Babylon, and returned to Jerusalem and Judah, each to his city. These came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Realiah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Rehum, and Baana. The number of the men of the people of Israel. The sons of Parosh, 2,172. The sons of Shephatiah, 
372. The sons of Ara, 775. The sons of Pahath Moab, of the sons of Jeshua and Joab, 2,812. The sons of Elam, 1,254. The sons of Zatu, 945. The sons of Zakai, 760. The sons of Bani, 642. The sons of Bibai, 623. The sons of Asgad, 1,222. The sons of Adonikam, 666. The sons of Bigvi, 2,056. The sons of Adin, 454. The sons of Atur of Hezekiah, 98. The sons of Bezai, 323. The sons of Jorah, 112. The sons of Hashum, 223. The sons of Gibar, 95. The men of Bethlehem, 123. The men of Netophah, 56. The men of Anathoth, 128. The sons of Asmaveth, 42. The sons of Kiriath Arim, Shephira, and Beeroth, 743. The sons of Rama and Geba, 621. The men of Michmas, 122. The men of Bethel and Ai, 223. The sons of Nebo, 52. The sons of Magbish, 156. The sons of the other Elam, 1,254. The sons of Harim, 320. The sons of Lod, Hadid, and Ono, 725. The men of Jericho, 345. The sons of Senea, 3,630. The priests, the son of Jediah, of the house of Jeshua, 973. The sons of Immer, 1,052. The sons of Pashur, 1,247. The sons of Harim, 1,017. The Levites, the sons of Jeshua and Cadmiel, of the sons of Hodaviah, 74. The singers, the sons of Asaph, 128. The sons of the gatekeepers, the sons of Shalom, the sons of Atur, the sons of Talmon, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hatita, the sons of Shobai, in all 139. The temple servants, the sons of Ziha, the sons of Hasufa, the sons of Tebeoth, the sons of Keros, the sons of Siaha, the sons of Padan, the sons of Lebanon, the sons of Hagabah, the sons of Akub, the sons of Hagab, the sons of Shalmai, the sons of Hanan, the sons of Gedel, the sons of Gahar, the sons of Reaiah, the sons of Rezin, the sons of Nekoda, the sons of Gazam, the sons of Uzzah, the sons of Paseah, the sons of Besai, the sons of Asna, 
the sons of Meunim, the sons of Nephissim, the sons of Bekbuk, the sons of Hakupa, the sons of Harhur, the sons of Basluth, the sons of Mehida, the sons of Harsha, the sons of Barkos, the sons of Sisera, the sons of Tamah, the sons of Neziah, the sons of Hatifa, the sons of Solomon's servants, the sons of Sotai, the sons of Hasophereth, the sons of Peruda, the sons of Jeala, the sons of Darkon, the sons of Gedel, the sons of Shephatiah, the sons of Hatil, the sons of Pokereth Hazabiam, the sons of Ami. All the temple servants and the sons of Solomon's servants were 392. Now these are those who came up from Tel-Milah, Tel-Harsha, Cherub, Adan, and Emmer. But they were not able to give evidence of their father's household and their descendants, whether they were of Israel, the sons of Deliah, the sons of Tobiah, the sons of Nakoda, 652. Of the sons of the priests, the sons of Habiah, the sons of Hakaz, the sons of Barzillai, who took a wife from the daughters of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and he was called by their name. Those searched among their ancestral registration, but they could not be located. Therefore, they were considered unclean and excluded from the priesthood. The governor said to them that they should not eat from the most holy things until a priest stood up with Urim and Thummim. The whole assembly numbered 42,360, besides their male and female servants, who numbered 7,337. And they had 200 singing men and women. Their horses were 736, their mules 245, their camels 435, their donkeys 6,720. Some of the heads of fathers' households, when they arrived at the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered willingly for the house of God to restore it on its foundation. According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for the work 61,000 gold drachmas and 5,000 silver minas and 100 priestly garments. Now the priests and the Levites, some of the people, the singers, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants lived in their cities, and all Israel in their cities. All right, looks like we finished another book of the Bible. We are in the book of Ezra now. But let's finish up the Chronicles just to see there's a couple of things in here that we should talk about. So first off, we know this from last time, that Josiah was eight years old when he became king. And what I thought was very interesting about this is that it said in the eighth year of his reign, he began to seek the Lord his God. It's almost as if that was his age of accountability, where he was old enough to understand what needed to be done in the service of God and obedience to his law. But at the same time, he didn't really know what the law was. He knew who the Lord was and he wanted to serve him. But you can kind of tell by the way he did things that 
of course, he wanted to get rid of all the idolatry. So he started with what he knew he could do, but then he did not know the full extent of what God wanted him to do because he did not have the law yet. Not to mention, it says he did this in the eighth year of his reign, so that means he was 16 years old when he was purging Judah of all the garbage that they worshipped. And so that was very nice to see that just because he's young doesn't mean he can't take responsibility. And that's something that's important to note, is that children, young children, as well as teenagers, if they are old enough to understand the gospel and to understand the law of the Lord, then they must be obedient to it. There is no magic age for it. Every That's why it says elsewhere, you know, the age of reason. Because not everyone reaches a mental maturity or a capacity for learning at the same rate. So it's different from person to person. Some might be younger, some might be older. And yet at the same time, God is patient with those people. And when they are old enough to understand, it is their responsibility to follow the Lord and obey. That's why it's important for parents to raise your kids in the ways of the Lord so that when they are old enough to fully grasp what they're supposed to do, you've already instilled it in them and it will not depart from them, right? That's what it says in the Proverbs, you know, teach your children the way that they should go and when they get older, they will not depart from it. And that's what we hope from our kids. And I hope that's the same for you. So then it says that on the 18th year of his reign, so in this case he was 26, that's when they found the law. When they found the law, they read it to Josiah, and he was convicted. And he wanted to do right by the Lord. So they approached a prophetess, which there's nothing wrong with a female prophet. You don't see too many of them in the Bible. You could think of Miriam, you could think of Deborah, and you could think of Huldah in this case. There's not that many of them, but anointed by God to do this work. And she gave good counsel from the Lord himself that we have seen before. And then we see a whole chapter dedicated to the preparation of the Passover. Until you see the end of the chapter when we see an expanded understanding of what happened at the end of Josiah's life, which he didn't see the first time around. So apparently, Necho, the king of Egypt, was given a command to fight at Carchemish on the Euphrates against somebody else that wasn't Judah. Necho only wanted to move his army through Palestine without actually fighting Judah, but Josiah didn't listen he did not believe it. And he also didn't believe that it was from the mouth of God. I mean, because the Egyptian king is not a Jew. So why would the Lord be working with Pharaoh? So he didn't believe him. So that's why he disguised himself and he went into battle with Nico because he didn't trust him. Nor did he believe that it was actually from God's will. But you see that he didn't even ask God if it was his will. If he did, this may have been prevented. But he got hot-headed and he got 
you know, we don't know where he came from. If he came from a, a prideful place or if he came from a zealous place that he was just jealous for God's possession and he fought with all his heart. We don't really see that and we don't even see a bad spirit in him because at the end of his life he was heavily honored. So I don't know if it came from a bad place per se, but he did not listen to the counsel of the Lord and he did act hastily in order to defend Judah. And in the process, it cost him to get killed. And then we know the rest of the story, right? We know that after him, things just go down quickly, which results in three different kings going into power before we see Babylon take over and exile the entire nation of Judah. And all this is being done in Jeremiah's lifetime. As it even says in chapter 35, Jeremiah chanted a lament for Josiah, and they speak about Josiah in their lamentations to this day, and they made them an ordinance in Israel. Behold, they are also written in the lamentations. And that, that capital L, lamentations, that's the actual book of the Bible, lamentations. So, very interesting. And then we know that Zedekiah was the last king of Judah before it was completely wiped out. It was a, more of a puppet king than anything else. They propped him up in order to do this. And then we see a sign of hope, which is the personal segue into the book of Ezra. Because, again, it is commonly believed that the authorship of the Chronicles itself is from Ezra that he wrote it during his time in Jerusalem after he came back because that's what his role was he was a he was a scholar right and so he whatever we see here in the end of second chronicles is exactly the same thing that was in the book of Ezra which makes it a connected work so that's why it's usually attributed to Ezra being the author and we see that King Cyrus, which had been predicted by name, was going to be the king that would step up and change things for the nation of Judah. He believed in the Lord, and so he told all the Jewish people to go back to Jerusalem, and he even gifted them along the way. And we see some names here that I thought were pretty interesting along the way, just at the very beginning at least, because we go through the number of every family. You're like, whoa, what's going on here? But very thorough in their records, which we know that to be true. So, And that's not a bad thing, but it's, well, it's hard to read, sure. But So a couple of names to note. So if you go to chapter 2, just the first couple of verses here, you see, first off, you see the name Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel is going to be a pivotal character as we go through it. He was a, one of the main leaders of the people returning to Jerusalem. And we, he's also attributed to being of the line of David, because when you look at the genealogy of Christ, Zerubbabel is his ancestor. So... Zerubbabel is of the line of David to fulfill what God had promised all along. Now, in this reading, it says Jeshua, but in other parts of Scripture, 
it's going to say Joshua, including later in the, the book of Ezra. Jeshua or Yeshua or Joshua, it's all the same name. It's different ways of saying it. The name Jesus is based off the same name, Yeshua. Yeshua. Those are all based. So Joshua and Jesus are the same name, if you want to put it like that, just in different language. Then you see Nehemiah. Now, is this the Nehemiah, the one that wrote the book, Nehemiah? It's not, actually, because this person came much later, decades later. So this was not the same Nehemiah that wrote the book of Nehemiah. So just to be clear on that. And then you you see this one, you're like, oh, it's got to be him. Mordecai. You see the name Mordecai listed here in verse 2. And you think, oh, wow. So Esther's uncle, Mordecai, went to Jerusalem. Well, that's not him either. <laughs> in fact, because it said that in the book of Esther that he remained in Persia. So it's not the same person. So let's not get confused with that. So it's not the same Nehemiah. It's not the same Mordecai. So all these people gathered together to go back to Jerusalem by their cities and their families and divisions and all that. And how long of a trip was this? They brought all this stuff with them, mentions how even how many animals they have and how much resources they contributed to the treasury. You know, 61,000 drachmas, which a drachma is is like a, a, a Persian coin. So they had several coins and stuff that they could melt down and use for whatever they need to. But the journey itself was about 530 miles of direct miles. But if you're going by foot and in the safe paths, traveling miles, it's actually closer to 900 because of the, the way the terrain is. So that journey will take them at least four months to get to Jerusalem. So it's not a short trip. But everything is set. The stage is set to reconstruct the temple and to start building Jerusalem once again. God was always faithful to his people. Like it said at the end of 2 Chronicles, is that he showed compassion on Israel. He showed compassion on Judah. He sent them prophets again and again because he had compassion on them because he did not want to destroy them. He did not want to exile them. They are his beloved people. But God's justice cannot be changed. His standards are eternal. And if he said that he's going to do this, this, and this, if you don't obey him, he's going to do it. He showed grace in delaying his decision, but he still did it. They continually mocked his messengers. They hated his words. They scoffed at his prophets until he couldn't take it anymore. And he's like, it's time. It's time to do something about it, because there was no remedy. Could God have magically, not magically, but could God have, in his sovereignty and in his deity, forced his hand on the people of Israel? Yeah, he could have. But the good thing about God is that he gave us free will, and he allows us to exercise it. 
it's good and bad because our free will helps us to choose, yes, but we will usually choose sin over God. That's unfortunately the nature that we were born into. He gave them all the opportunities, and he saw that there was no one. It's kind of like when he went to Abraham, right? And when Abraham was begging him, well, don't wipe out Sodom and Gomorrah. What if there's 20 people? What if there's 50 people? And then we go down to 10, and God promised him, I will not destroy that city if there's 10 righteous people in it. There were not 10 righteous people in that city. We see that language elsewhere in what we've read so far, that God delays judgment because of those who are righteous. So we can only draw one conclusion here, that when he said there was no remedy, there was no one left in the entire nation of Judah who followed the Lord. There were none who were righteous. So he took action as he promised he would. So let's not hold that against God if we do, because God fulfilled exactly what he said he was going to do. But we just hope that this generation will get their act together and restore the kingdom as it should be. That's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.